Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Everybody online, we're glad to have you also. So I'm going to ask you online a question that I'm going to ask everybody in this room as well. Are you being honest with yourself? Are you being honest with yourself? No one knows your thoughts uh, except God. I don't know them. You can fool me. You can trick me. You can trick others. But are you being honest with yourself? Now, the reason I ask you this is because the, deci- the things that you think will end up leading to the decisions that you make. And all the decisions that you are making trace back to these thoughts that you are thinking to yourself. They trace back to whether or not you're being honest with yourselves. So I ask you, are you being honest with yourself? You and I, we often lose this battle in our minds because we fail to be honest with ourselves because we fail to get real with ourselves. We, we tend to lie to ourselves. And Paul said this to us. He said, you and I, we can actually be victorious in our mind in these battles, these wars that are going on in our mind like we've been talking about. We can win these wars in our mind if we will do something. He talked about it. We've been talking about this the last few weeks, Philippians 4, 8. He said, if you will fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, if you will think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. But we don't always fix our thoughts on these that Paul mentions, and we don't do it because of this thing called self-deception, that we deceive ourselves. So consequently, this lack of honesty with our thinking, it just ends up to bad decisions. And those bad decisions lead just to a whole lot of regrets in our lives. Now, when we think about life's regrets and bad decisions, we can trace those back to a, a few different categories. I think the ones that stand out the most to me, most of our bad decisions tend to fall into about three categories. I know there's more, but the big three in my mind are uh, bad decisions and regrets related to our purchases, our relationships, and our habits. I mean, think about your purchases. Raise your hand if you have ever made a dumb purchase. Raise your hand, right? See, that's all of us, right? We've made a dumb purchase. Now, at the time, did you think it was a dumb purchase? No, of course not. That's why you bought it. But you look back later and you say to yourself, what was I thinking? How did I pressure myself into making that purchase? What was the pitch that I made to myself to pursue that and to get that, to buy that, to purchase that? Or what about this? We enter into and we pers- we've pursued what end up being doomed relationships. And later on, we ask ourselves, what in the world was I thinking? How did I convince myself that they would be a great guy or a great gal? How did I get there? Or how about this one? Do you remember our habits, destructive habits? And you look back and you think to yourself, what was the internal salesperson inside of me that was saying, oh, I can handle this. Oh, I got this under control. Oh, it's not going to get carried away. I'll be all right. But that was a pathway that led to a habit that led to destructive behavior. And you ask yourself the question, what was I thinking? How did we do that? Very simple. 
we thought our way into those bad decisions. We thought our way into what became future or what became later to our regrets. Of course, I start to ask myself the question, if this is the case, why is it that I do that? Why am I so prone to self-deception? Why is it so hard for me to tell myself the truth? Why do I find myself being dishonest with myself, even lying to myself? Why do I talk myself into those things, those decisions, those purchases, those relationships, those habits that I later regret? And how in the world do I stop that? That's why the title of my message today is, if you want to make better decisions, then stop lying to yourself. Now, how do you and I stop lying to ourselves? Well, first of all, it would, we would do well to know what psychologists know. Psychologists tell us that you and I are prone to a cognitive bias. We talked a little bit about that last week. A cognitive bias or a cognitive bias called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. Now, what's confirmation bias? Uh, many of us have heard of that term before. Confirmation bias is our tendency to, to look for information or to look for arguments that will support what we already think or believe or what we plan to do. Our confirmation bias is that we seek out information, arguments that will, that will support something that we already think, something that we already believe, or something that we want to do. Confirmation bias is what enables us to see what we want to see. It enables us to hear what we want to hear and to seek information that we already think or agree with or believe. It's very unusual for us to be totally objective and think about something differently than we already believe. For example, People in the United States, you know, we're divided over many topics and many issues and many things. But for sure, I would say that our country is divided over, I mean, a lot of things. But for sure, I would say we're divided over the topics or issues of, of you know, abortion and gun control and climate change and even the vaccines and masks and mandates. Would you agree with me that those are not emotionally neutral topics? Would you agree with me, may I say it another way, would you agree with me that those are emotionally charged topics? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Very few of us are completely neutral on those topics. And so the majority of us don't actively seek out information that's contrary to what we already feel, what we already think, or what we already believe. Why is that? Well, it's because none of us want to find out that we're wrong, right? None of us uh, want to be wrong. We want to be right. We want to believe, we want to think and believe that what we think and believe is right and is true. None of us want to believe what is not true. And even though the Apostle Paul told you and I in Philippians 4, 8, to fix our thoughts and to focus on what is true, focus on what is right, we aren't on a truth quest as much as we are on a confirmation bias quest. The majority of us, if not all of us, if we get real, we're on not a truth quest. We're on a confirmation bias quest. You see, confirmation bias explains why uh, mothers and daughters arrive at complete opposite conclusions about that guy. 
It's why theists will look at nature and see, they'll, they'll see, you know, planned design. They'll see a creator, a designer. And non-theists will see neither. It's why Democrats will say Bi President Biden can do no wrong, and Republicans will say that President Biden can only do wrong. Why? Our confirmation speaks louder to our thoughts than the truth. Are you tracking with me? Our confirmation bias speaks so much louder to our thoughts than what is the truth and the facts. So when our desire is to be proven right, when that rules and reigns over seeking and pursuing truth and dwelling on, as Paul said, and focusing on what is true and right, that confirmation bias, it ultimately guarantees that we will make some decisions that aren't good. It will ultimately guarantee that we will make some poor decisions, some bad decisions, decisions that will lead to regrets. Now, this confirmation bias phrase that I'm throwing out to you, was uh, the term came up back in the 60s. But the topic, the idea has been around for a long time. For example, back in the 17th century, Francis Bacon said this. Same, same concept as confirmation bias. Listen to how he said it. He said, the human understanding, when it has once adopted an opinion, okay, Our human, once we adopt an opinion, draws all things else to support and agree with that opinion. And though there be a greater number and weight of instances to be found on the other side, yet it either neglects and despises those or else by some distinction sets aside and rejects those. Confirmation bias. In the fourth century, uh, Lucidides said this. He said, it's the habit of mankind to entrust to careless hope what they long for and to use sovereign reason to thrust aside what they do not desire. And then even before that, hundreds of years before that, there was a prophet in the 17th, or excuse me, in the 7th century BC who made a similar observation. Now, before we read his version, I want to I want to tell the story so that when we read his version, you will understand the context of why he said what he said. And so let me tell you this story. We're going we're gonna to talk about this guy, a prophet. His name was, was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was an advisor to the final three kings of Judah, or what was known as the southern kingdom. Now, Israel had split into basically two kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom representing 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel. The northern kingdom had long since abandoned God and following God's ways, and they decided to follow their own ways. And so the kings were bad and bad and bad and bad, and God said, I'm going to bring judgment, I'm going to bring judgment. And eventually God brought judgment and destroyed the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes of Israel. So there's only two tribes left. Basically, the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, is all that is left. And so Jeremiah was the advisor to the last three kings of that southern kingdom. Jeremiah first advised King Jehoiakim. Now at this time, when he's advising King Jehoiakim, uh, the nation of Israel is essentially a puppet state, if you will, to, to Babylon. And, and, and so they would pay tribute to Babylon. And Babylon, because they would pay tribute and, and kind of get along, so to speak, they basically, the Israelites could basically govern themselves as long as they paid the tribute. 
after three years, King Jehoiakim was looking at his finances and the nation's finances and thinking about the tribute. And he decides, I'm not paying this tribute any longer to Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. He thought to himself, you know what? I'm switching teams. I'm going to declare my allegiance rather than to Babylon. I'm going to declare my allegiance to Egypt. Jeremiah hears about this. He comes to the king and he warns King Jehoiakim. And he warns the king of the consequences of rebelling against the mighty King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Jeremiah told him, not only is this a bad idea, it's actually against the will of God. So he spoke truth to Jehoiakim. He spoke what is right to the king. But Jehoiakim had slid into self-deception. And he wasn't honest with himself. And he chose not to focus on the truth of what, what Jeremiah was speaking toward him. He chose not to focus on what was right that Jeremiah was speaking to him. Rather, he chose to focus on what he thought was right and what he thought was, was correct. He chose not to do what was right in the eyes of God. But he chose to do what is right in his own eyes. And so having made up his mind, Jehoiakim said, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless of the truth that has just been shared with me. He exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So Jehoiakim literally did the exact opposite of what Jeremiah told him to do. Well, what were the results? Sure enough, Jeremiah's prediction came true. And around 598 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar's army invades Jerusalem, invades Israel, and goes into the capital city of Jerusalem. He lays siege to the city. They eventually defeat the city. They go into the city, and they bound King Jehoiakim in chains, in bronze chains. They marched him back to Babylon and added him to Nebuchadnezzar's king collection. Yes, Nebuchadnezzar actually had a king collection. Anybody here collect things? You know, some of you might collect some things. He collected kings. And, and so he, what he would do is when he would defeat nations, uh, some of those nations, not all of them, but some of those nations, he'd bring those kings back to, to Babylon. And, you know, he'd, he'd chain them up and he'd just kind of parade them around, you know, in his courts anytime he had celebrations. And so everybody could see that he captured all these kings. Now, before King Nebuchadnezzar's army uh, left Jerusalem, he decided, well, you know, I do want somebody to be here. So he crowned another king, Jehoiakim's son, Jehoiachin, and named him the king. Well, after a few months, Nebuchadnezzar thought, ah, I don't want him to be king. Ah, my king collection isn't quite big enough. He had Jehoiachin brought to Babylon to be part of his king collection. And because kings always need kings, you know, he's like, okay, I'm going to appoint somebody else. In this journey, or in this battle that took place in this period of time, he also brought back to Babylon 10,000 of, of, the, of the upper class people, of the ruling class, as well as the entire royal family and the military advisors. He ordered the troops to plunder uh, the treasury there in Israel, in Jerusalem. And all that happened. Why? Because Jehoiakim was lying to himself. He was deceiving himself. He refused to listen to the truth. Now, as you can imagine, after these two kings, this was their fate. Nobody wanted to be the king in Israel. 
But kings being kings, Jehoiah, uh, Nebuchadnezzar appoints the next king. And so he appointed King Jeho- uh, Jehoiakim's uncle, Zedekiah. So now Zedekiah is now the king in Israel. Turns out he would be the last king in Israel. And like the kings before him, he chose not to listen to truth. He chose not to listen to wise counsel. He chose not to listen to truth, but rather to listen to the voices in his own head. That could, he chose to listen to other people and people that would confirm the bias that he already had. The prophet Jeremiah, he pleaded and pleaded and pleaded with Zedekiah, don't make the mistakes of the past. Listen to truth. You don't want to end up like the previous kings. You don't want what happened to ha- them to happen to you and to your family. You don't want what happened to the, to the, to the nation to ha- for that to happen again. And in fact, it will be worse. Not only will the city be destroyed, but the temple will be destroyed. And our people will be scattered. Zedekiah, listen to truth. Zedekiah refused to listen to the truth from Jeremiah, and instead he chose to listen to those who said, Zedekiah, you're an incredible king. Zedekiah, you're an amazing king. Zedekiah, you're the savior of our city. Zedekiah, you're going to build this city back better, and it's going to be incredible. But the king wouldn't listen to truth. Jeremiah said, well, I'm going to take the message to the people. And so he went out to the people of the city and said, listen, God's judgment is upon us. If we do not turn and turn back and and, and be under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, destruction is coming. Jeremiah told the people, we need to throw open our gates to the king of Babylon. And if we do that, we will be spared. Our city will be spared. Our temple will be spared. When King Zedekiah heard what Jeremiah was saying to the people, he wasn't happy. And so he removed Jeremiah from, you know, Twitter and Facebook and and Instagram so he could no longer communicate with the people. And then he captured Jeremiah. He put him on trial for his, you know, his Babylonian collusion, uh, you know, hoax and all that. He puts him on trial. And then in Jeremiah 38, he threw him in a cistern to just completely get him out of the way. Finally. In the ninth year of his reign, King Zedekiah, following his own bias, entered into an alliance with Egypt. How do you think King Nebuchadnezzar responded? He was furious. He was so furious, in fact, he personally led the attack back to the capital city of Israel, to Jerusalem. And they laid siege to the city once again. They starved out the people. In desperation, Zedekiah remembered the prophet Jeremiah in the cistern. He called for him and he said, Zedekiah, or or he said, Jeremiah, man, we didn't know this would happen. Please help us. Go to God. Pray to God. Have God save us. Zedekiah, or, or, or Jeremiah, we didn't know. Please ask God to help. But I want you to listen to what Proverbs 24 says. It says this in verse 12. The author says, don't excuse yourself by saying, look, we didn't know. For God understands all hearts and he sees you. He who guards your soul knows you knew. He will repay all people as their actions deserve. 
Man, that's a freaky verse. Isn't that? Don't say, don't say, oh, I didn't know. How many times if you have kids, have your kids said that to you as a way to get out of whatever they're in? How many times have you said, oh, I didn't realize. I didn't know. No, no. God sees you. He sees you. He knows you knew. And he'll repay you back for your actions. So Jeremiah said, sorry, too late. I already shared truth with you. I pleaded with you. I begged you. You knew the truth and you would not listen to the truth. You turned your back on truth and you embraced your bias. You turned your back on truth and you embraced your bias and you sought to confirm that with people who would speak to what you already thought or believe or wanted to do. So your fate and the fate of this city has been sealed. Your only hope is throw open the gates and perhaps Nebuchadnezzar will be gracious to the city. Zedekiah knew if he did that, he knew what was going to happen to him and his family. And so he says, I'm getting out of here. So he tries to sneak out of the city. Didn't go so well. They caught him. They found him. They captured him. And then Zedekiah was forced to watch as Nebuchadnezzar's army butchered his kids and his family one by one by one. That would be the last thing that Zedekiah ever saw as Nebuchadnezzar gouged out his eyes, put them in bronze shackles, took them back to Babylon to add to his what? His king collection. Man, I hear that story and I think, how could you be so dumb? I'd never do that. I would never listen to my own advice. I wouldn't sacrifice my own family. I wouldn't jeopardize my own family. I would see what happened to those who went before me, and I would learn the lesson. I would never do that. Oh, really? I've done that many times, and I'll bet you have too. It's easy to look at others and say, I would never do that. And yet, Who's here has ever had a regret? Who here has ever made a bad decision? Who here ever looks back and says, I blew it? Let's not be so hard on them. We're not so different. Now it's interesting. It's during this story that I'm sharing with you right now that Jeremiah documented for you and I why we and kings are so prone to this self-deception. And, and, and this is gonna, now we know why he wrote what he wrote. And so Jeremiah, after seeing one king after another, thinking wrong thoughts, trying to confirm their bias of what they already believed or what they already wanted to do, which led to wrong decisions, with all that in mind, here's what he says. Jeremiah chapter 17. We read the verse last week, but now you know what the context is. He says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You've, many, many of you have heard that verse before. Now you know the context. Now we think the word heart refers to, you know, our emotions. No, no, no. In, in Jewish thought, in, Ju in the Jewish words, uh, he, in Hebrew, the word heart or, or lev or levav refers to the mind and to the thoughts also. For the Hebrew, it was all one. And so Jeremiah says, the heart, every heart, every mind is deceitful. Say deceitful. Deceitful. Notice he doesn't say dishonest. 
dishonest, see, that's easy to detect. You know, you're dishonest with someone. That, you, can, you can see that. Hey, they just lie. That's easy. We can see that. Deceitful, that's a whole lot harder to detect. That's a whole lot harder to figure out. Deceitful, you know, that implies something. That implies an agenda. Deceitful implies, using our word, a bias. A, deceit, a deceitful implies I can take some truth, but then I mix it with what I want, what I think I need, with something that's not true. Deceitful means I can justify so I can get what I want, so I can believe what I want. I can, I can fix that person. I can fix him. I can fix her. So I'll ignore their temper. I'll ignore their addiction. I can save them in spite of how they live their life. I, I promise I'll put the money back into savings after I make the purchase. You know what? No one's going to know about this. No one will know. I can do this. I can get away with this. Man, if, if they only knew what I knew, if they only knew what I was going through, they would agree, I deserve this. You see, our hearts, our minds, we don't just lie to ourselves. Man, we deceive ourselves. And we deceive ourselves to get what we want, to believe what we want to believe, to live how we want to live. The heart, he says, is deceitful above all things. And he says, and it's beyond cure. Jeremiah is saying, man, that's, this is a permanent condition. We don't outgrow it. We don't out, you know, outmature it. And then he says, this heart, this mind of ours, who can understand it? In other words, it's why decisions that made perfect sense at the time, again, we all said we've made bad decisions. It's why decisions at the time, they made sense to us. But now that we look back, we go, that made no sense at all. It's why you and I are prone to do the very thing that we actually advise somebody else not to do. You ever done that? You'll give advice, man, that makes sense. And you'll tell someone it's amazing and someone will look at you and go, wait a second, you just did the same thing. It's why the person in the mirror is the most difficult person to lead because they don't tell the truth. That person that you see that I, in the mirror, they're the most difficult to lead. How can someone as smart as me, how can someone as smart as you fall for something so bad, so wrong, so careless, so insensitive, so evil? How? Jeremiah said, our hearts are deceitful. Our minds are deceitful. We have deceived ourselves. And rather than tell ourselves the, the truth, we fill our minds with information that confirms the bias that we already have for what we want or what we want to get or what we want to believe. Now, if Jeremiah is correct, and if we all have this propensity to deceive ourselves and to talk ourselves into something that... that that, you know, we just, this is what we want. What do we do about it? Because I listen to this. If, you're, if I was in your seat, I'd listen and go, this stinks. Man, life is hopeless. It's terrible. It's true. There is no cure. Other than Jesus Christ coming into our life and helping us and giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to give us self-discipline and control and all that. And, and God will give us that. 
And so it's like, we absolutely need Jesus in our life. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. And in the midst of that, I want to I give you a couple tips to help us make better decisions. So let me give you a couple of these. Jot these down either on your phone or something to, to kind of carry with you this week. To begin with, and we want to make better decisions, let's admit that our hearts can be deceived. Let's admit it. In fact, I want you to say with me, I want you to say, I can be deceived. We're going to say that out loud. I want you to say, I can be deceived. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. I can be deceived. So admit it. And the sooner you embrace this uncomfortable fact about yourself, the quicker you're going to be able to develop and maintain a healthy skepticism about what's going on inside of our heads. The sooner we'll be able to admit this, the more open we'll be to information and advice that conflicts with where our heart, our mind is trying to take us. The more cautious you'll be when that salesperson inside of you is trying to sell you on something. And the easier it will be, the sooner you admit it, the easier it will be to recognize that you're tempted to justify something and that temptation to justify might just be a lie. Embrace the fact that you can deceive yourself. Just admit it. You have a bias. And that bias, you seek to fulfill that bias and confirm that bias because you want something or you want to believe something. Admit, you just might be wrong in your thinking. Second, to make better decisions, ask yourself, are you being honest with yourself? Look in the mirror, like seriously, literally look in the mirror and say, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself? In fact, let's say that together. Out loud, we're going to say, am I being honest with myself? One, two, three. Am I being honest with myself? Look in the mirror and ask the question. The psalmist said it this way. It said, Psalm 119, keep me from lying to myself, God. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. So let's be honest, even if we're not ready to change, even if we're not ready to forgive, even if we want that item no matter what, even if we don't want to admit we're wrong, at least be honest with our thoughts. Tell the truth, even if you're not going to do anything about it. But at least start by telling the truth. And then finally, if you want to make better decisions, let's start being curious. Let's be curious Brene Brown says that breaking through our self-deception requires emotional curiosity. Emotional curiosity that we, that we push through any sense of discomfort and we get curious about why we're thinking that, why we're feeling that, why we're so determined and set on pursuing that, believing that, getting that, having that outcome be the way it is. Only when we're curious emotionally can we get to the truth. Be curious. I've heard it said we should pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance. And if you and I don't pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance, that's curiosity, then we're just going to continue to suffer in the arrogance of our ignorance. So let's be willing to be curious. Be a student, not a critic. So ask yourself, am I doing this and why? Why am I doing this, really? Why did I act the way I act, really? When they confronted we, me with that truth or that piece of information, why did I reject it 
really? What was the real reason? Why won't I read that book? Why won't I listen to that podcast? Why won't I, I, I read that article? Really? Why won't I listen to somebody who I respect, who is a good and godly person? Why won't I listen to them when they have a different opinion than me? Really? Why won't I? Jesus said, when you're curious enough to tell yourself the truth, the truth will set you free. It's liberating, which means the opposite is true. Dishonesty imprisons us. So ask the question, am I being honest with myself, really? Why am I buying that, really? Why am I moving? Like, what's the real reason? Why do I continue to go out with them? Like, what's the real reason? Why did I just file for divorce? Why do I want to file for divorce? Really? Why am I taking that job? Really? What's the real reason I won't reconcile the relationship? What's the real reason I won't call my kids or I won't call my parents or I won't reach out to my friend? What's the real reason? Jeremiah was right. Our hearts are deceitful beyond all else. But you know what? Now you know. Now you know the truth. Now you know what to do about it. Now you're better equipped so you can stop deceiving yourself. I can stop deceiving myself and that can lead to better decision-making. So what is your quest that you're gonna think about? Is it a truth quest or is it a bias quest? Am I gonna confirm my bias, what I wanna believe, what I wanna do, or am I gonna seek the truth? Whatever your strongest thoughts are, that will lead to the decisions you make. Do you wanna have a whole bunch of regrets? If you do, keep confirming your bias. If you wanna have the life that God has for you, fix your thoughts, focus your thoughts, seek out truth. What is true and right and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. What are you gonna choose? What's your quest? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you today acutely aware, God, that we just get sucked in. We get sucked into what we want to believe. And Lord, it's so hard at times to do what's right in your eyes because we do want to do what's right in our own eyes. So God, we're going to have this moment where we try to seek you and be honest with you. So I want to invite every single person right now, you and God, just take a moment get real with God. Be honest. Say, God, here's the area of my life I haven't been honest with myself or you. Just tell him right now, you and him. Have a conversation. Ask God to cleanse you, to purify you, to give you the strength to fix your thoughts on what is true and not what you want to be true. God, hear each of our prayers as we seek you. As we lift up our hearts and we say yes to you, God. Yes, I will follow your will. Yes, I will follow your ways. Yes, I will, God. Yes, I will. And I invite you right now, say that. Say, yes, I will follow your ways, God. Yes, I will follow your truth. God, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. 
You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.